<laughs> Hi friends, welcome back to my show. My name is Ashley Ariana. Today I'm joined by Rohan. It's kind of cool to see you. Rohan, we normally do uh, end of week Fridays, but normally we're previewing a game coming up. And today I get to have you the day after a wonderful Thanksgiving Thursday night game. Um, the 49ers kind of put kind of put the clamps on Seattle, made it seem like they were not in the same the same league, not in the same division. Um, yeah. How did you feel about that game? How was your Thanksgiving? How are you doing? Where are you right now? Tell everyone. You're back home? Back at, Yeah, back in the Bay for a little bit. But, I mean, you talk about last, uh, you know, this, this past game. And, I mean, it, it, it's not like I can say that it wasn't anticipated, but it was an intriguing game. You never know kind of uh, when – you talk about these divisional games, how they end up going. And so it's good to see kind of how it went when, you know, uh, I, I don't want to say nothing about it, but with Geno Smith kind of back there, the 49ers have rid with the same game plan, rode with the same game plan for the last, like, you know, the last few times they've seen Geno Smith and it's kind of worked to fruition every single time. You don't allow an offensive touchdown in this game, pretty dominant effort for the 49ers. And the funny part is I don't think they played near their ex like you know near their elite level of play that we've seen i think that they had a couple of mistakes for sure and they still ended up winning by 18 points i completely agree i i feel like the seahawks it's so interesting because obviously russell wilson doesn't look super i mean he's looking a little more impressive now that he has sean payton but his transition to um the broncos hasn't been as stellar as anticipated but i feel like at least for 49er fans a lot of the fear um with going against the seahawks kind of came with russell wilson like i feel like right. the seahawks had russell wilson last night i still would have been much more scared even with them down because it felt like the game had to be two seconds left on the clock over for them not to have a chance like you always thought that russell wilson was going to be able to come back and throw a moon ball at the end and i feel like too many hearts for a 49er fans had been broken by him um bringing them back and now that he's gone it kind of feels like seattle isn't isn't the boogeyman anymore and i had i heard someone talking about this before the game when they were talking about the players on the 49ers a lot of those players weren't around for the like hardball years for you know a ton of the russell wilson years so they don't even have that same fear of the seahawks that like like fans are more scared of the seahawks than the players are because so far right. under this kind of new team that the 49ers have um they they have competed with seattle in the last two years completely um like i said not even look like they were they were in the same league i was i wasn't impressed by seattle's game plan at all I, I was talking to a friend i'm almost never impressed by by dk metcalf for for the name that he has in the nfl and like i think if people were to size him and like debo or him and iuk up i feel like D metcalf has as good or better of a skill set physically and maybe like traits wise as both of those players but when right. they're all in the field metcalf really never um impresses me much and and i found it kind of funny that was ward was getting under his skin yesterday i the camera kind of panned to him and he was yelling at Geno smith uh i think asking for the ball more and then on the very next offensive play Geno smith throws in the ball and uh he doesn't catch it i was just like sucks to be you <laughs> yeah um, I, th I think when you talk about dk metcalf um it's it's 
an intriguing topic because Metcalf really the way that he wins a lot are those go routes because he's a unique athlete, right? Such a he, he's a big receiver. He's 6'4", 230, but he's got elite level speed. And so when you put someone that big and is able to run go routes at the success level that DK does, it usually generates the success. And that's kind of why in my preview, even though I had the 49ers comfortably winning, I believe, by like 14 points or so, I thought that the reason that, you know, Seattle could score an offensive touchdown is because one of those go balls usually goes DK's way. The 49ers have a good game plan usually against Geno Smith and against those deep balls, but one usually goes DK's way. That wasn't the case. The 49ers were prepared. They clearly said, Traverius Ward, you got one-on-one coverage. And, I mean, I I think they game planned well. They knew kind of what Seattle wanted to run. And it's, I, I don't think there's too much variation in what they ran from last year and that trying to hit those, go, uh, you know, those deep balls. And so the 49ers kind of just executed their plan to perfection. And that's the way you eliminate, you know, a top receiver like DK Metcalf out of the game. You understand the route tendencies that he tends to have. You understand where they tend to target him. And then you try and eliminate those opportunities kind of. I completely agree. And I wasn't, I also wasn't impressed with their run game. Now I know that they were struggling with injuries, but it just seemed like on all sides of the ball where I thought, where I made up, okay, this is where the Seahawks could exploit the 49ers. It felt like the 49ers really came came out to play. And I, I actually predicted 13 to 31 as the score. And then um, I was on with Jose and he kind of was like, he, he was like, that's too low for them. And the, the interesting thing is when I predicted that, I predicted similar to you that DK would get at least one touchdown, but really the 49ers defense only gave up six points. The other one was kind of um, off a little bit of a mistake. So I I was extremely impressed with the 49ers defense in this game. I felt like as good as the offense did and as good as Brock Purdy played for, I want to say like 90% of his game. I think this battle was really won in coverage and in the defensive line and the sacks that they were able to get. When you look back at this game, do you think that the 49ers look more impressive or that the Seahawks actually look like maybe less of an opponent than some people expected them to be? Um, I, I don't know if the 49ers look more impressive. I wouldn't say I came away from this game saying I'm more impressed by how the 49ers have operated. I did th- I thought the score would be similar. Um, I, I think maybe uh, it's more so an indictment on the Seahawks. A lot of people, at least recently, especially with the 49ers slide, thought the 40, uh, thought the Seahawks you know, had a chance to win the division. And I thought that those talks, even when the 49ers were losing three straight games when Seattle was number one in the NFC West, I thought those talks were kind of far-fetched just because when you look at the match, between San Francisco and Seattle. San Francisco just has the much better matchup. And I think that that kind of aids them in this effort and trying to get things done. And so I think that that's kind of the way that I look at it. And I don't know even if it's an indictment on Seattle as a whole team, but there's a game plan on how to defeat them. And I do think that the the hype around them has simmered down a little bit because they're not as good necessarily as people initially thought. They came into this game even. I think their point differential was negative. It was negative two coming into this game, despite them being six and four because they've been blown out and then they've won a couple of close games. And so I think it's more of an indictment that Seattle's a good team, but I don't think that they are in the competition with the 49ers right now to win the number one seed. I completely agree. So I was kind of saying that I think what stood out to me most on last night's game was the 49ers defense. And I wanted to ask you, Steve Wilkes during the like slump that you were just talking about got took a lot 
or majority of, of the brunt of the criticism for the 49ers, even though most people, when they started having a conversation about it, could kind of share blame with the offensive creativity. There were some fumbles going on by running backs, some errant throws by Brock Purdy. Um, so it was more of a team letdown that I feel like was actually happening, especially with energy and effort. But since Steve Wilkes was asked about it in a pre press conference and he said, um, I think the quote was like, I'm built for this when asked if he was uh, prepared for the criticism that he was getting or that was getting hurled at him during that during that losing streak. They moved him to the sideline. You know, who knows how much of that has to do with it? Because they also added Chase Young. They inserted Ambry Thomas in the starting lineup, which who knew that that was going to be a positive. Um, I think some apologies are in order for, for Steve Wilkes and for this 49ers defense. How impressed have you been with them since the bye week? And how do you feel about them going forward for the rest of the season? Yeah, I think I'm impressed, um, but more so impressed. The 49ers, you know, they had mistakes and they started to clean them up. I think it starts up front with the defensive line. You see the defensive line now, this is their third straight game with six sacks. I mean, that's a pretty, pretty tough, you know, mark to beat. I think the defensive line, it's been good all year. I, I don't get me wrong, but I, I do think it's starting to break out into an elite, elite caliber defensive line that a lot of people anticipated. And I think that, you know, you could uh, attribute that to a couple of reasons. I think they're, you know, with Chase Young in the fold, I think it allows players to potentially play um, less snaps a little bit. and That allows you to, you know, have a little more rest and things like that. Um, but still, I think elite players are playing at an elite level. Nick Bosa had nine pressures in this last game. Hargrave himself had uh, three pressures, two sacks. Armstead, he was in the mix as well. I think all three of those guys really played a role in this one. And so when you talk about strong play up front, you back that up with better linebacker play than in the first few weeks where you see a couple of missed tackles, and that's not characteristic of Fred Warner, not as much of Drake. Yeah, he's playing much better, I feel like, these last I three think games. That great point out there i think that you know when you talk about that i think they're just it's not like things you'll necessarily notice because you expect fred warner to play sound football but he's playing at fred warner levels and i think that's important and then you talk about the secondary two weeks ago uh on a show with ryan hensley i pointed out when he had asked me who who do you think is the most underrated player on the team i thought it was Traverius ward and this was at a time where Traverius ward's going through a little bit of a slump a lot of people you know uh decking out on Traverius ward i think he he's one of the most underrated players on the team just because when you look at this team and how it's orchestrated the quarterback play is underrated because a lot of people will point to the elite front seven right the front seven is one of the best in football but having elite cornerback one play like how Traverius Ward is distributed over the last few games I think is very important his value has just been highlighted over the last few weeks you talk about the emergence of Amory Thomas as well there have been some subtle changes that I think have accelerated the 49ers back to the levels that they expect to play at defensively and it's not against bad teams either I mean they played Seattle who I think they have a good matchup again they played against Jacksonville who People might see him as overread, but that's another playoff team. You're playing against mm -hmm. solid teams. And so I think that this is a, you know, a good, good start for your defense where really they're the ones, um, you know, they're the ones kind of leading the charge in a way and uh, complementing the offense at a high level. I, I completely agree. I like that you pointed out Traverse Ford. I was one of those people who I feel like I was, it wasn't that I was uh, like saying he was horrible, but I was saying, you know, I feel like the 49ers traded with expectations of a number one corner and i felt like he was kind of like a 1b and that his play had slipped off 
from last season. Now I did always qualify that with, I feel like a lot of people don't talk and maybe it's one of those things. If you're on the field, you're just going to get criticized. Like, cause if you're playing, you're, you're supposed to be good enough to go, but he was dealing with a foot injury all um, off season that actually held him out from multiple training camps or from multiple practices during the off season. And right. even I think one of the preseason games it held him out from, um, and he was taken out in this game for that same injury. So I think it's a pain, pain tolerance injury that he's kind of playing with. Maybe, it, I don't know if it will require surgery. I'm sure we'll hear more this offseason. But it was that same exact injury that he's been dealing with this entire time. So I did always qualify it by, like, potentially his play is slipped because he was dealing with that. But I, I was someone who was saying that I was maybe unimpressed. And this game particularly, I thought with his uh matchup on Ward, he was he was really incredible. I was although I did see one of those where Gino Smith, I always this isn't like a ward thing. This is an all court cornerbacks thing. But Gino Smith just threw like a terribly high and too far pass for DK. And DK doesn't get it. And then you see Ward who's like behind him, like did not right. interfere with the practice. And he's like Corners got to do what corners got to do. That's kind of how it is. <laughs> I was like, that was not you. But for that, that was just, that's more of just a, a funny thing that I laughed at. But no, he did. I was incredibly Im impressed um, by him. I was actually going to talk about it next, but I was going to talk about game balls. And in my instant reaction, I did talk about Trivarius Ward. I I was interested to see how that, that matchup against him and, him and DK were going to go because um, he, I felt like, he had a really good game against him last year, but then he also had a, a game where he played, in my opinion, semi-poorly. Um, it was right after, I don't know if it was right after, but it was a game or two after that Seahawks or uh, Chiefs game. And I felt like there was a, a small stretch where his confidence was kind of shook. Um, but no, yesterday I was extreme, or last night I was extremely impressed by, with Trevor's Ward. And I was so happy for Ambry, I, I love like an underdog story. And you know, once again, Ambry's someone who has been like, I've been like, you know, make sure he's not on the field, get him off the field. But I think it's really cool when someone kind of goes through a slump and they can come back and you saw him, it was against Jacksonville, right? Where he, uh, Steve Wilkes right. was on the sideline. He goes up to Steve Wilkes after, was that an interception as well? And he goes, oh yeah, because it was the pick six that ended up not counting. And he right. goes up to Steve Wilkes and he and he like takes Steve Wilkes and the camera zoomed in on him. And he was like, remember that. Remember that. Like, this is me kind of I felt like, you know, calling a shot saying, like, you know, keep the faith in me. Like, I'm going to show up like I'm I'm telling you that you're right to trust in me. You're right to put me on the field. And so I think it's really cool when people can have that belief in themselves after having a slump and then they're able to back it up. And you know what I mean? Now, you know, I think in, it was in the press conference that Kyle Shanahan, or maybe it was in his post-game speech, uh, called out Ambry specifically and talked about adversity and how impressed he was with Ambry coming back and showing up. So I just love stories like that in general. If you were going to give out some game balls, maybe let's do two for offense, two for defense. Uh, we can start on either side of the ball. Who who stood out the most to you? Yeah, I haven't heard yours, so I have an idea. We can go one 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 in a way. I like that. And so like we that. can go uh, flip it off. So if I am to start, we can go with the offense. And um, 
I think I have an idea of who you might give one to, so I'll go with the other. I think Debo Samuel deserves a game ball here. Um, you know, this is a Debo type of game. Uh, the 49ers look to bring the physicality early, and that's something that you saw. I mean, they, they did it so much that Tariq Woolen got benched in the first quarter in this game. But Debo Samuel, you know, he's a guy who has taken more of a secondary role this year because of the amount of playmakers San Francisco has, as well as Brandon Ayuk's ascendance, continued ascendance from last year. And so when you look at Samuel's role this year, if you look at the way that he's getting the ball, it's a ton of stuff in checkdowns and things like that. Similar to how the 49ers utilize McCaffrey in the receiving game, it's a similar role. A ton of checkdowns, but then you'll also see these certain, not shot plays, but crossers kind of between the second and third levels. The ones that Debo Samuel thrived on when he had his 1,400-yard uh, season. And you saw a couple of those in this last game. Samuel, you know, seven catches, 79 yards. That's his second highest output of the year. Back uh, uh, only second to the New York Giants game where, you know, Brandon Ayuk was out in that one, and Samuel was the number one receiver. So it's a good sign for him, to, you know, to get involved, for him to see that type of action. I thought he had a really good game, and I thought that he was a key reason why the 49ers set the tone early. What do you think for offense? Who's your guy? Really quick, I just love that you said Devo. I did talk about Devo yesterday. And Devo, I've, I've talked about this before. He's been my favorite player. I think that 2021 was such a soft spot. But even in, like, 2019 when he was younger and and – and first coming out but you saw those sparks in him I've just really I I love that like physical kind of no one can bring him down getting you know especially uh, now the 49ers have so many offensive weapons but I feel like he really stuck out at certain times of his career on this team as just like such an impressive football player um and then I was I feel like um it was last it wasn't against the Seahawks but against but the game previously, um, I think I pointed out it was on the first drive. I, the first play of the game went to Debo. He didn't get any yards. He got automatically stopped. Then it went to Kittle. Then the next one went to him. It was an easy catch, and he just looked like he wasn't running for the ball. Like it just he didn't he didn't catch it. He didn't get any separation. And I remember coming on, and it was like the first time that I kind of agreed with some of the criticism that people have been uh, giving to Debo, where I was like you know, he might be physically in better shape, but I'm not seeing the performance and it, and it's a little bit disappointing. And then say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill of course the very next game he goes out and, and performs um just really phenomenal pretty darn it's well so nice yeah to, yeah it's so nice and i like how you said like certain matchups are gonna have certain players um shine shine more in this seattle when when it's a game where you want to install your will Debo's going to be very impactful and and there's something to him too because in that little slump when when he was out that was a huge thing so Debo also brings like some sort of emotional or or mental component too not only just his like physicality on the on the field but my other game ball I think the one that you thought that I was going to give out was Christian McCaffrey I thought mm -hmm. he was incredibly impressive specifically as a rusher this game Christian McCaffrey is a great all-around football player and I think we've really seen him 
open up this offense in a way of like the dump off passes, making sure that the quarterback always has an outlet when they're flustered. Um, and not that I've, I mean, I've been extremely impressed with him as a running back, of course, but this game, I mean, there was, there was a good amount of plays where it was schemed up for him. But there were a good amount of plays where it's him and like five to seemingly 20, which I know is an exaggeration, but a lot of right. Seahawks players. And you look at it and you're like, oh, the play is done. And then he gets a first down or gets a touchdown. Like the one where he got a touchdown, where he gets the ball and there's like the entire Seahawks team and, and he doesn't even go around them. He goes through them and then gets tackled and then falls with like six of them on him forward into the end zone. Into the end zone, yeah. That's such a that's the 49ers. Like that's such a like this encapsulates like I know that Kyle Shanahan Kyle Shanahan was beaming when we talk about the good parts of Debo Samuel. I think of him as a player who does stuff like that. When I think of the defense and and the way that I want this 49ers defense to play, it's that embodiment. Like what that play that Christian McCaffrey does to me is so emblematic of this 49ers team under Kyle Shanahan and the style of football that he wants to play. And I felt like uh, Christian McCaffrey did such a good job at that all game. I did see a clip. Um, his girlfriend put it out on on Instagram, but one of the 49ers uh, like aggregate Is that pages. The posted one? Yeah. Yeah, he's like black and blue has gashes. I was like eating my friggin' breakfast when I not that I mean I. I'm like eating happily. He's like living with it. So I'm not, <laughs> not that I'm trying to complain, but yeah, he had like deep cuts and his whole side. I, I wonder, cause is he just like completely okay with that, with that um, oblique kind of injury that he had for a while? Or do you think it seems still like probably... he's at least in uh, like the bye week kind of helped with that? Yeah, like yeah. It. Because I was going to say it was on his arm and on his, like his side, it was just completely freaking purple and blue colored. It just, uh, you're like, skin is not supposed to look like that. And it wasn't like a small little, I'm someone who bruises easily on my legs. So I'm like always falling and like running into shit and like, I don't know, randomly trying to backflip, even though I can't backflip. So I should stop doing that. Um, But no, his, he was extremely black and blue, but I was so impressed by him uh two touchdowns made key runs to keep the 49ers drive drives alive live also was good in the past game to just get first downs i he's always always impressive but there was a couple games where you felt like maybe defenses were keying on it keying in on him and slowing him down and this was not one of those games he if chris mccaffrey can have games like this all the time the 49ers are in great hands um so he'll be my game ball I'll Wanna go to do... the defensive side, yeah, yeah. and I will give mine. I mean, I talked about Traverse Ward. I, uh, you know, I have a, I have a ton of praise for him. Like I said, my most underrated player on the team. I'm gonna go with a different name. I'm gonna go with Javon Hargrave. I thought Javon Hargrave was a big disruptor in the middle. And when you talk about condensing the pocket, making a guy like Geno Smith, who I know he ran for a couple of times, but he's not a quarterback you consider to be overly mobile in this one. And so it. By collapsing the pocket the way that the 49ers did, I thought that Javon Hargrave did a good job in the middle. I mean, he might not pop off on the stat sheets, although he did have, you know, a sack or a sack and a half. He might not always pop off on the stat sheets and certain things you can critique on, but I thought this game was a really good game for Hargrave. And, you know, you when you have a guy like Bosa, when you have different players collapsing around the edge as well, having a guy like that, like Javon Hargrave on the interior, I think is an important part. Last game, Ark Armstead balled out. I mean, 12 
uh, 12 pressures, you know, the amount of sacks that he had. He he was amazing last game. This game, my game ball, I'm going to Javon Hargrave. I like that a lot. I think it's um, – I don't think the interior defensive line gets as much um, notice and, and praise as they should be. I know I listened to Fred Warner's podcast, and last um, week he praised – Javon Hargrave and said that he felt like he was the best player on the defense. And I, I remember like hearing that and being like, Oh, I don't, I didn't, I should pay more attention to that. Cause I like, didn't like, I think he, I thought it was good, but I didn't realize he was, you know, the best player on the defense, according to the best player on the defense in my mind. <laughs> um, so for game balls for the defensive side, I'm going to go with him. I'm going to go with Fred Warner. I, I felt like Fred Warner's these last two games has been on another level with his energy and effort. I felt like he was able to mess with Geno Smith's eyes, able to break up passes, kind of get the defense in the correct positions, looked extremely fast, extremely physical, was tackling like crazy last game. The Seahawks, I mentioned it earlier, their run game got nothing done at all. I was also just not impressed by their their leading uh, starting running back in this game. I know he was a guy out of UCLA, but yeah, I thought that Fred Warner – played extremely extremely well yeah no i agree which is it's a hard thing i feel like that's a hard thing to say because every game he does really well so i think it's kind of but it stood out it stood out and so that's the important part to mention exactly do you have one more for offense uh yeah i mean if we're going to do it i got to give it to trent williams the reason is i thought the forty ran a lot to the left side of the wall. Like you talked about Christian McCaffrey. I thought the 49ers, you know, looked to run the ball to the left side. Perhaps it was a matchup thing. I saw Boye Mafe lined up a lot on that right side. One of the young Seahawks edge or outside linebackers slash edge rushers who's kind of breaking out seven sacks this year. Seemed like they were running opposite to him. And the issue is in a game like this, one of the best Seahawks players on that defense is their defensive tackle jaron reed he's a pretty solid player so it makes it tougher to run inside you know in between the tackles or you know up the middle in a way in between the guards and so i thought that running to the left side was going to be important trent williams i thought set the tone you saw a lot of you know successful runs to that left side christian mccaffrey ends with well above 100 yards and i mean well above five yards of carry as well so i thought it was a successful day for him successful day for the 49ers running game and i gotta give credit to the guys up top i love that it's and since uh since the return of trent williams the 49ers offense has been back to rolling and i don't think that's a coincidence i love 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 that point out i'm gonna go with brandon Ayuk, who had a very quiet game he was underutilized in my opinion um but when the 49ers kind of had they they've done this thing a, a couple games where at least they did last game where I felt like they came out rolling, you know, just completely dominating the first half. And then third quarter, they kind of, I was like, Hey guys, the game, it's no longer halftime. It said that they were playing bad, but it just felt like they really let their foot off the gas almost as if they were like, Oh, like, you know, we're up by 21 and we're winning, you know, it's totally fine. And you kind of got, or I kind of got worried for a second. They're like, okay, you know, you are winning, but if they get one more touchdown, then it feels a lot closer and it could be a game. And maybe they're not worried about it because once again, it's Gina Smith, not Russell Wilson. <laughs> um, but I felt like that final touchdown to Ayuk really put the game away. And I um, I think that he should be, his number should be called more because when it is called, he shows up and makes the pivotal play. And um, yeah, I was really impressed by him. I think, I think he has a thing going 
right now, if I was like playing fantasy football or something, I would use him like every other game. So like he has like one really big game and then he won't get that many targets. And then you have a really big game and then won't get that many targets. But because his final uh, players touchdown was so impactful and because when he is given the ball, he's at least, I think it's like 90% of the time he's catching it and he's getting the first down and moving the sticks, keeping the 49ers on the field. I wanted to shout him out. I should have gone with Mitchell who also did good, but I think I, I'm good pick. Yeah. Okay, last one for defense for you. Uh, if we go in with another one, I said Traverius Ward, said uh, Javon Hargrave. Um, so I'll give some love to the other cornerback, Ambry Thomas. I mean, y- you mentioned him a little earlier. I thought he had a, you know, gr- uh, just a, a nice, nice game. Um, you know, had a nice break on the ball earlier, a PBU, and then a later interception where he was able to obviously get a nice break on this out route. Didn't think Geno Smith played a great game, but credit to the 49ers defensive backs, Ambry Thomas being one of them for the game they had because, I mean, they made it uncomfortable. Yeah. It was like a question with him, right? Because he he had a good game last game, but he's had so many down games that I feel like the question was kind of like, okay, is this, was that a fluke? Like, did he accidentally do good? And then he's going to come back to, to, you know, earth for Ambry Thomas that we've come to know. And so it's kind of cool that he was able to, continue doing well and that gives you confidence in him now now it seems like one game can be a fluke but two games in a row you're like all right you're starting to build some momentum you're starting to build a pattern here now i have confidence in you in next game now obviously we're going to get to them in a minute but eagles is going to be a different challenge but i did i was also impressed with with every thomas i like that i like that pick no definitely yeah Perfect. And then someone in the comments, they said Brock Purdy um, for a game ball. And I kind of wanted to transition that into asking you how you felt about Brock Purdy's game, if you were going to grade it. I, I won't expand on it until I hear your answer, but I I think I would give him a B, potentially a B minus, depending on how much you want to grade that pick six. But I felt like a B was a pretty good um landing spot for for my answer but i would love to hear your grade and just how you thought about his overall performance and then maybe i can adjust my grading system depending on what you say and how convincing you are yeah but no i'd I'd like to hear what you also have to say you don't have to adjust based on what i have to say i'm a little more pessimistic in this one i'll probably give him a c plus um somewhere in the c to c plus range the reason being i thought brock had a couple of really good throws and i thought he you, you you talk about the rhythm, right? 49ers had struggled to to begin games before. I thought Brock had a really solid first drive, you know, just getting the ball to where it needed to be. A lot of short throws, but throws that were important. You had one to McCaffrey, you had one to Charlie Warner, and then he had one, I believe, to Debo Samuel. And those were like the main throws kind of on that drive. Starts the game off, I believe, three for three, ends up being five for six in the first two drives. So it was a pretty solid, you know, um, start for Brock Purdy. But there were a couple of recurring issues that I noticed. The main one being, it seemed he had a little more happy feet than normal. What do I mean by that? I thought there were cleaner pockets that he, I, I believe it counted four times, that he had stepped up into looking to take off as a runner 
rather than waiting for the progressions to kind of materialize in the passing game. And perhaps they were quick reads that, you know, after they're done, you can't really get something done. But I would have liked him to stay in the pocket for those specific plays. I thought that those kind of led to some imbalance with the offense and also led to some, uh, you know, some issues uh, offensively in that regard where you could have had potentially some better plays down the field or at in some area in the passing game. That was one thing that I noticed. I believe I counted it four times. The other one, I mean, there was the stretch right in the third quarter where Brock didn't have the best game. You talk about uh, that first throw prior to the interception. I mean, it's just a miss. Um, I believe it was to Debo or to Juwan Jennings, just a miss. And then the second throw, obviously, yeah, second throw, it's tipped uh, at the line of scrimmage, which is unfortunate, but you don't want an interception there. I thought that those kind of two stretches were not great overall. Um, for, for Brock, I mean, I think that he had some really solid throws. The big one was the one to Ayuk. I thought that one was a beauty, and that single-handedly elevates the grade. But because of some of the issues and also because of the way this game went, where the 49ers, it seemed like, were more run-heavy in this one, trying to kind of impose their physicality on the ground and also with a variety of short passes, that's where my grade kind of goes for average for Brock Purdy. Okay, I like that. I think maybe our grading systems are just a little bit different because I feel that, like I really agree with everything you said. I think when I think of like a very average to above average, but not like at all elite, like you're not carrying the team at all. But in my opinion, you're also not like completely messing it up. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I feel like in my head, that's like a B minus performance. Um, where I think for you, that's like a C. And I, and where I struggled was, I felt like because he was 21 of 30, had um, 209 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Now, I did feel like he could have gotten more interceptions, but like in or he could have gotten more touchdowns. But in instances where like Christian McCaffrey was doing so well in the run game, he was instead of, you know, uh, Brock Purdy throwing it to him, he was leaning forward and, and getting in. So it did feel like the. Like when I was when when we were talking about game balls, I didn't think of Brock Purdy at all, uh, especially my instant reaction when I was talking about players that stood out to me. Brock Purdy didn't come up and it wasn't because he didn't or it wasn't because he did poorly. It was just because the players that had stood out and comparing Brock Purdy to himself in other games. I feel like he's performed much, much better where he was the player that stood out where this one. I felt like he was much more kind of a cog in the machine distributing the football not making too many mistakes. Obviously the pick six was pick six wasn't obviously that's a horrible play. It's like the worst play that ex- <laughs> the worst uh, thing that can happen for any, any uh, quarterback, but it did feel like for most of the game, he, he had everything flowing in, in the sticks. You're right. There was the, the few overthrows during that lull that was kind of like, okay, Brock Purdy settle down. I have kind of noticed, I feel like after an interception, I don't think so far I haven't noticed that Brock Purdy has that same like goldfish brain that Jimmy DeGrapple had where you felt like he could throw an interception and then like legitimately a touchdown on the next play for so far for this team. Now, luckily they just have been throwing way less interceptions, but when they do throw an interception, I feel like there's a couple play plays, you know, or a drive or two where not just Brock Purdy, but the offense as a whole kind of seems flustered. I don't know if it's like Kyle Shanahan kind of gets scared. So maybe he tries to, call different call the the game differently or take the ball out of Purdy's hands but there was definitely a, a section 
where I felt like Brock Purdy was a little bit more shaky. But when I look at his game overall, I would say 80, you know, 75 to 85% of the game, he was just kind of smooth sailing, not doing anything stellar, but not doing anything negative. And then like you kind of even I kind of even that out by being like then he did like the worst possible thing but then he also threw the touchdown at the very end and I've when earlier during the the low streaks when I was being much harsher on him I was saying a lot of that is because I grade the play at the end of the game more harshly so if you throw an interception but then at the very end of the game you're throwing the game winning touchdown or the game the game ceiling you know solidifying touchdown I'm going to put more emphasis on that so that was kind of how I got to the B minus B section. No, I, and yeah, I mean, that's a good breakdown. And I can, yeah, I, I mean, again, all of these grades and things like that are always going to be fluctuating different people between different scales and things like that. Not mine. Like mine are always correct and never, I never, like the reasoning. never. <laughs> but no, I like the reasoning that you pointed out. Thank you. Sorry about that. That's just a joke because I am the most easily. Uh, Easily I don't know if persuaded like person. Yeah, what's the thing? Everyone says it when you're in like middle school. Gullible. I'm like gullible. Like they're like, oh, you should look up gullible in the dictionary. Like that was I said. I said earlier. I picked the final. Like I said, thirteen to thirty-one, and then I was listening uh-huh. to Jose, and he was he like completely talked me out of it. I was like, I was like, yeah, you're right. That's so. That's that was such a bad. I don't even know why I said that. And then such they a did terrible it. pick like, that it ended up being right. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. And then I thought this would be like a interesting thing to ask you because I've heard conversations that have made me question this. Um. Fans will debate a lot. Who's better, Ayuk or Purdy? Or Ayuk or Purdy? <laughs> who's better, Ayuk or Debo? But when talking about how much more smooth sailing the 49ers offense has been since the return, now it wasn't just of Debo, it's of Trent and Debo, which I think is important. But the offense has flown a lot better. And we did kind of talk about in the absence of Debo, Kyle didn't seem to trust any other playmakers with his role. Like he wasn't giving his role to Ray Ray McLeod, which we've seen happen in previous seasons. So I was just wondering if you could put your head, this is completely hypothetical, we're just playing a what if game, but if you could put your mind in Kyle Shanahan's head, do you think that Kyle Shanahan tr- has more trust for Debo or for Ayuk? I think this is a very, very intriguing question because it's not who do you think is the better player. It's not who do you think fits more for the offense. It's who do you yeah. think Kyle Shanahan trusts more. So I think this yeah. is a good question. To me, the way that I look at it is I think Kyle Shanahan what he, what does he like the most out of his offense? What does he kind of want to get the most out of his offense? And I think Christian McCaffrey has kind of helped prove he likes these versatile positionless players. I think that that's that that's inherent because it allows him to be more creative, and that's where you can scheme up more opportunities potentially for them. As for trust, I think he trusts Brandon Ayuk more because I think Brandon Ayuk oh. provides a bigger capability. But as for role. I think Kyle Shanahan likes to scheme up more plays for Debo Samuel because of what Debo Samuel provides, but also because that's the role that Kyle Shanahan likes to be creative with. That's the way that I look at it. And I think you were alluding to, you know, when you talk about the offense, Debo Samuel has returned. The offense has kind of sparked up as of late. You know, you see some multiple uh, 30-point performances now over the past three weeks. I think that's intriguing. But I also think one point is important. 
I think Kyle Shanahan said this after the first win. I don't think that Debo Samuel changes the outcome of the game like that that much. Instead, what Debo Samuel does, oh, sorry, let me rephrase. Debo Samuel definitely changes the outcome of the game. But I think what he does for this 49ers team more that Kyle Shanahan said is he changes the mentality and the mindset of this team. You're, you're, you're they're, they're more energetic and like it's because they got a guy like Debo Samuel out there. Now, I do think that Brandon Ayuk is the more valuable player for this team. I do think Brandon Ayuk is the guy who, if they're going to decide, I've been on this since last year, I do think he's the guy who, if they were going to decide, they should keep. I think he's the better receiver. And things like that. But this 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 question is a very intriguing question because I think it breaks down different things. I think Kyle Shanahan trusts Brandon Ayuk more because I think he trusts him to play his role to a T. His route running capabilities are something you can't ignore. His effort is something you can't ignore, things like that. But I think he also likes to scheme up more opportunities for Debo Samuel given the creativity it allows him to uh, to, to go through. I love, I love that you noticed that distinction of like, trust versus the player maybe he likes the most or has the most fun calling plays for and also which one is most impactful because all three of those could kind of have different answers depending on how you went with them um i agree i think just like watching maybe the debo sense being paid and stuff might have swayed kyle shanian's trust in him a little bit where brandon Ayuk, you feel like he's kind of been rising now he hasn't gotten paid yet but i and and I guess I felt this way about Debo, but I do feel like Brandon Ayuk isn't the type of guy who would get played and then all of a sudden uh, not have the, like, drive or will to continue bettering himself as a wide receiver and, like, holding himself up to his standard. But, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know exactly where that question came from, but it does kind of frustrate me that, that Brandon Ayuk is still having games where he's only getting four targets. And, and I really would hope that, you know, especially because we've seen in – the most impactful games Kyle Shanahan go away from the player. And and I do think in some of those games, that player was Debo Samuel. I'm thinking back to the Super Bowl. I think if he, even though he's a rookie, I think if he would have gotten more touches towards the end of that game, that could have changed the outcome. I'm thinking of the first, I think it was Rams game that they lost uh, in the NFC championship game where Debo was completely dominating the entire season and that game. And then inexplicably with 10 minutes left, got zero touches so I do think Kyle Shanahan has like a tendency to kind of go away from this player that is like carrying the team. And I'm not necessarily saying that this year that's IU, but I think I would actually say it's it's Christian McCaffrey right now. But I do think as a wide pure, you know, wide receiver that Brandon Ayuk has earned his opportunities. And I I think that he should be getting a minimum of like six targets per game. I, I'm always a little bit disappointed with how well he's playing when when he doesn't get targeted as much but i agree i think i i think i mean i love both players but i just thought that that was an interesting distinction and i i do agree that i think maybe for like who he is as a, as a play caller i think he might have more fun calling plays for um debo samuel but i feel like maybe there's some pride in britain and Ayuk's uh extension ascension that's the right word um that that Kyle Shanahan has. Um, lastly, I wanted to bring up the next test. Now they do have like, I don't know if you want to call it a mini bye week because that might be excessive, but they have uh, a little bit of extra time, extra rest, which is going to be good. I think some of them were talking about taking time off and healing their bodies or getting away for like very short trips 
um, which I think will be really nice for them to kind of get a little bit more momentum, especially if they don't end up getting that by later on. Uh, but a big way that they will potentially get or not get that by, something that they would need to have in order to get it, get that number one seed, they need to win against the Eagles. Other things would also happen, need to happen. Like I think the Eagles would have to lose against the Bills on Sunday. But- they got to lose at least, yeah, one other game. Well, if if they want to reclaim the one seed, they got to lose this weekend pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Um. How do you feel about the Eagles game coming up? Do you think that the Seahawks win brace the 49ers for it at all? Or do you think it's going to be a whole new level of challenge for the 49ers? I think, it, I think it'll be a new challenge. I, I don't think the Seahawks game kind of relates in a way just because I think the 49ers match up well against the Seahawks. But when you look at the Eagles, I mean, I, I'll, I'll say what I said against last year when I picked the Eagles to win in that game. It, it's just a good matchup overall um, for Philly and SF, they have a good matchup. You talk about offensive lines. Philly's got, you know, one of the best offensive lines, if not the best in the NFL. That's going to be a good counter for what the 49ers have, creating an intriguing battle in the trenches. And then you talk about the entire offense. I mean, you got A.J. Brown there who can win in a number of different ways. He's talented. He can win over the top. But then you also got Devontae Smith, who's in a way, A.J. Brown is similar to Debo Samuel. Devontae Smith similar to Brandon Ayuk and the capabilities that the guys have. Obviously a little bit different in skill set um, with the with the talent they have. And then you got Jalen Hurts. The one issue when you talk about Jalen Hurts is the 49ers struggle against rushing quarterbacks. And Hurts has the capacity to take on a load in the run game. He can He can run at a high, high level. You talk about a strong run game there in Philly, too. The 49ers' run defense has been pretty strong, but when you space them out, that's when they've been prone to missing tackles in the past. And so, you know, you you can talk about a couple of flaws, and that's only on one side of the football. The other side, you know Philly's got a strong defense. They got good guys up in the interior. Jordan Davis, Fletcher Cox, the 49ers also have struggled at times in their inter- with their interior offensive linemen against strong defensive tackles. Those guys can serve as disruptors, and then, I mean, Hassan Reddick, everybody knows what happened last time he played against Brock Purdy, which is unfortunate. You got some good, you know, good, good players over there in Philly. Some good cornerbacks as well. Kevin Byard's there. I just think the matchup is very difficult, especially when you're going there to face, uh, you know, playing the link. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm I'm nervous and I, I agree it's going to be a different level, a different test for the 49ers. This game to me is going to be much more what to expect if they do get later on in the play later rounds in the playoffs. I think this is the level of competition that the 49ers can come to expect and that they're going to need to prove that they can beat in order to win the Super Bowl. If that is their, like, you know, that not, if that is their ultimate goal. Um, I'm, I'm interested. I think, I hope that it'll be a really good, you know, close spot win game. I, I'm not going to say that I think the 49ers are going to win. I actually, I'm more nervous. Like, I think I'm leaning towards them losing, but I don't want to put that energy out there. Um, I don't think, like, you, you've kind of heard people say, like, which team wants it more. The 49ers obviously talked a lot of trash, and, you know, when it first happened, I think they've calmed down since then. But more what they were kind of saying is, like, we wanted an opportunity to come out and be able to, you know, play you guys with all of our players intact and with, you know, two two very talented teams going against each other with all their best talent. Now, you know, some people can say, hey, that was, they took out your talent, that credit goes to them. Um, so I'm not saying 
that's wrong or right. But the 49ers definitely talked a big game. So you know that Devo Sam, you know, guys like Devo Samuel is going to go in on there with, and Christian McCaffrey was visibly frustrated. Uh, Radio Row, the Super Bowl week. You know, the 49ers think that they could have gone to the Super Bowl this year. And then, you know, Philadelphia, at least their fans, they want the team to show up and kind of, you know, shut the 49ers up and say, you know, hey, we did deserve to win. This We were the better team and we're still the better team now. And I think it'll be – I hope that at the very least it'll be a really uh, fun game. I think for, I think fans were kind of robbed of a very exciting matchup. And – I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see what happens. I hope that both coaches bring their best game plan. And I, I hope that it's not like a, I mean, if the 49ers are dominating, obviously I won't be be upset about it, but I, I'm anticipating a close fought, a close fought win or a close fought game on both either side of the ball. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point, and I think that kind of the number one thing that I think will ultimately dictate what side it goes is Brock Purdy. I mean, we talk about Brock Purdy and the, I guess, the recency of him, right? Because he hasn't played too many games, which means you don't play too many games like in playoff environments. Purdy has been one of the most successful regular season quarterbacks in history. I think he's won 13 of his 16 regular season games thus far. He's been very successful as a regular season quarterback so far in his career. The question, though, for Purdy isn't how well can he play against regular competition. We know he can play well. That is not a question. It's can he carry a team if needed? How well can he play under pressure against elite teams? And how what can that ultimately translate to? And Philadelphia is the best test. I mean, if you're talking about NFC teams, or really teams on the 49ers schedule, there's two where you can really be uh, you know, pointing out as really good challenges. Philadelphia and then the Baltimore Ravens in week 16, um, you know, right before Christmas. Because Philadelphia, like I said earlier, possesses a strong defensive line. This 49ers offensive line is not to par with this Philly offensive line. They're still not bad, but they're they're not as good as they were last year, in my opinion. And so if you're talking about this offensive line, if if you're going up against Philly, you're going to face some pressure as Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy won't have, you know, as much time. He'll His margin for error will be less. And so this game is one that I feel like is going to kind of tell us a little He's bit more about Brock up. Purdy. Exactly. Against uh, prior to the playoffs, because if you see Brock Purdy have, you know, a really solid performance, being able to carry his team through some adversity, then you, you're you a lot more confident in him going into the playoffs. That's, I think, going to be a determining factor because the offensive line, I think, is going to have some ups and downs against Philly, which means that it's going to be on the quarterback in a way to help carry his team. I love that. He's definitely going to need to escape pressure, try to minimize the amount of sacks he's playing, really minimize his poor plays. We don't want this to be, a, a, we don't want him to throw one in, interception, but you don't like, definitely don't want it to be like a multiple interception game where we've kind of seen him before get flustered, felt like maybe more of the game was on him and he starts to kind of have the tendency to do too much. I think that the 49ers have shown that they can dominate games when they get off to an early lead, their defense is making stops and they're kind of playing from ahead, but it's those gritty wins that we haven't seen them be able to pull, you know, completely pull out yet, where when it comes to the Eagles, I do think that they've been tested in that way. And that's a way that I've seen some fans kind of try to discredit the Eagles is they'll kind of be like, oh, well, like they're not win, you know, they are winning more than anyone else, but they're, they're not dominating. And to me, I actually want, you know, I, not that, you know, you don't want this if they could obviously go the, the entire super, if they could go the whole way and win the Super Bowl. 
being up the whole time, I think that'd be great. But I just think that's unrealistic. So I think there is something <laughs> as a fan in seeing your team be down or at least be in like a dogfight and be able to pull it out. And I feel like this is going to be the first time that the 49ers have an opportunity to do that. And I, I hope that they show up. I think that emphasis on protecting the football and making smart decisions and playing smart is going to be really important for Brock Purdy, but it's going to, he, he's also going to have to toe the line because you can't play it too safe against the team that has the ability to make such explosive plays. Like if they want to score quickly, the Eagles could score quickly. So the, the Purdy's going to have a big um, challenge ahead of himself where he's deciding between doing the correct thing with the football and then also knowing when to take his opportunities and when to kind of risk it and take chances because i think that that will be important and it'll, it'll be important to, it'll be interesting to see if he picks the right moments or not i think it'll be at the very least a really intriguing game i'm really excited to watch it no i agree and i think that that's a you know good take when you talk about it it's going to be a statement game for uh for purdy and so i think that that's going to be something to definitely watch out for and i think that that's something the 49ers when you talk about it are going to look to prepare for purdy you're going to try and see kind of what how how he can progress through the moment you got a strong team i think they're going to be at 100 percent heron banks hopefully you know gets another week of recovery for that turf toe um you'll see yeah. what they do at right guard i'm going to assume that they're going to start mm -hmm. feliciano i'm going to assume that that's going to kind of be the plan um uh or at least be in somewhat of a rotation and so you're going to get a full team. We'll see. It's a good challenge, though, for sure, for the 49ers. I'm really excited for watching it. The last thing that I wanted to say, just to update everyone, uh, Oren Burks what, was rolled out, I think, for the entire year. Um, uh, George Odom, you mean? Yeah. George Odom, sorry. Um, <laughs> with I was thinking about Chris from, from Twitter. Um, you say Chris. But uh, with the bicep tear. So hopefully, you know, my prayers go up to him, and hopefully he'll – have a good speedy recovery, but it does seem like the 49ers are going to need to bring in a safety with the loss of Hufunga. And obviously, I mean, I didn't see any amazing plays for him, but I think if your name's not getting called in a negative way, Jerry Brown, I think did okay. So it'll be interesting to see if they add someone on there. And I think you and I will get to talk one more time before the Philly game. Um, but I really hope you had a great holiday. I hope everyone watching had a great holiday. Obviously, a 49ers win makes it better. A little bit of vengeance seeing the 49ers uh, eat the turkey, throw the turkey into the stands. I saw some fans picking up the turkey from the stands and then eating it, which I feel like is not hygienic. But I don't know. In the moment, I would probably do some weird stuff, too. So I had a really good stream with you today, Rohan. Thank you so much for making time for me while you're back home. And I hope you have a really good um, rest of your holiday. No, I appreciate you. Thank you, obviously, for hosting. Everybody in the comments for all your, your you know, your insightful comments. Appreciate all yeah. of you. Like you said, happy holidays to everybody. And I uh, hope everyone had a good Thanksgiving. Yeah, everyone have a great time. Uh, please like and subscribe to my channel. I'll probably have something out tomorrow. If not, um, no, I'll probably have something out tomorrow. But if not on Sunday, depending, because little bit of a different thing with 49ers not playing on Sunday, but I'm excited to watch the other teams and to talk with everyone. I've uh, said this yesterday because it was Thanksgiving, but I've been really appreciative of doing this and I'm really thankful for everyone for all the support. Make sure to subscribe to Rohan's YouTube channel and to follow him on Twitter to make sure that you can, I think it's Niners Nation, all of his 
writing and recaps and everything will be on there. So make sure to like and subscribe to both YouTube channels. Thank you guys so much. Thanks again, Rohan. Um, Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.